When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. It's Throwback Thursday. Hey everyone, Chris Fafali is here. Man, I love doing these Throwback Thursday episodes because every week we have more and more new listeners tuning into the podcast who might not scroll back through the archives and because of that, might miss out on some amazing past episodes. I mean, minus a little bit at the end of the episode where the guest talks about what they currently have going on, these episodes will remain timeless. The stories behind the songs do not change, which is one of my favorite things about making this show, at the risk of sounding a little pretentious here. I really believe that capturing these stories behind the songs from the mouths of the people who wrote them is almost as much of a piece of art as the songs themselves. Or at least that's what I tell myself. Maybe you agree or maybe not, but either way, I hope you really enjoy them. That being said, I was really happy to pull this one from the back catalog and into the forefront again. Back on March 29th of 2021, Liz Stokes from The Beths sat in to discuss the writing and recording of Future Me Hates Me. Over the past few years, The Beths have become absolutely one of my favorite bands. There are only a handful of bands for me personally that when they release a new song, I'm listening to it as soon as possible, and the Beths are one of those. So it goes without saying that I was psyched when their new album, Expert in a Dying Field, came out last week. I can't recommend it enough. This band is so fun and inventive, and as you'll hear in this episode, Liz is very humble and likable. Plus, she was our first and only, so far, guest from New Zealand, which is a place I dream of living someday. So there's that too. Okay, I'll let you get to it here. Let's throw it back to March 29th, 2021 for episode number 44 of Krista Makes a Podcast. Elizabeth Stokes discusses the Beth's Future Me Hates Me. Hey gang. Today's guest is Liz Stokes, singer and guitarist for the Auckland, New Zealand band, The Beths. Liz and I break down their fan favorite song, Future Me Hates Me, from the 2018 album of the same name. Liz and I talked about the initial inspiration behind the track and how her original demo wound up evolving once it was brought to the rest of the band and guitarist Jonathan Pierce, who also produced the album. We touch on the fact that the New Zealand government has helped The Beths with financial support as part of their International Music Market Development Grant Program, and how this was integral for the band to initially tour outside of their homeland. And Liz couldn't have been kinder to me for messing up the lyrics to her song. I was convinced what I had written down was what she was singing. It's the Kiwi accent that threw me off, I swear. For all this and much more, sit back, relax, and enjoy the ride. Hey, hey, have you heard? Krista makes a podcast. Hey, hey. I know from doing a little research that you and all the members were attending classes at the University of Auckland uh, in New Zealand, where you're from, uh, where you all studied jazz, which is very interesting. So you were studying jazz and decided to, to form a, a, a band together. Um, yeah, kind of. Like I, I knew Ben and Jonathan, who are uh, still in the band. Um, like Jonathan, we went to high school together and even back then were um, playing in like our high school bands I suppose and same with Ben who um this is like real boring um, but like I met him 
when I was at high school, but he was at university, but through his like version of high, high school, like prog band or something like that. And um, yeah, so we all knew each other like ahead of time, but we all ended up studying at, studying at the University of Auckland. Yeah, the jazz program there is like really, really fun. Um, it's, uh, you can't really be maybe a jazz, it's very hard to be just a professional jazz musician in New Zealand. It's quite small. So I feel like people study just kind of music and then you end up playing just lots of different stuff. And then you started out just just releasing some EPs, and uh, you were one of the five finalists for the 2018 Silver Scroll Awards in New Zealand, which uh, is awarded by uh, APRA, which is the Australasian Performing Rights Association. And much like Canada, and I believe Australia, and I know New Zealand, you've received financial support. Basically, uh, governments will give artists uh, sometimes money to go out and tour, and, and they support live arts. That is very foreign to us Americans. Uh, mm. Our government sits on their hands they would never give us money to go out and tour so uh, I've always thought that is really cool so I guess they funded three tours through marketing development grants and I wish I wish we had something like that here yeah it's pretty special it's something that I mean especially this year um, it's been really important and like it's very validating Uh, when you think about it it makes sense like we're as as a country we're extremely isolated like our closest neighbor is Australia but even that's like a, a few hours flight away but but also we're a small country so like you have to be a very very huge artist to um, be able to like make a career just in New Zealand as a musician so mo- a lot of artists or like a lot of businesses of like all kind I think you start looking out almost immediately into um and for musicians that means like thinking about whether touring internationally is um is an option and we have things like outward sound is the um is one of the funding bodies where they can they kind of help uh help pay for international touring just because when you think about it like to tour the states for us it would it would cost like ten thousand dollars for the four of us just for visas and then the flights are probably another ten thousand dollars <laughs> like yeah. like it's not we, I know. We, we can't just jump in a van <laughs> Um, so it, we're really, but we're really lucky. Like, it, like, like I said, this year, I mean, it, with with the way that um, the country shut down for a while, we're of course very lucky again that that we've opened up because we had a we've eliminated it in the community. During that period of time, we were able to shut down because the government paid people to. You know, like we we were able to get um, a, a subsidy throughout throughout that period where um, where everybody was staying home and that kept us afloat for for like a lot of the year last year. Well, that's great. And, and, and to your point, there's only so many times you can tour Auckland, Wellington and Christchurch. Uh, yeah. you know, you're <laughs> not, not, not too, not too big of a country. I've been, been to New Zealand. It's a, a beautiful place. Lo- absolutely love playing there. When did you come? Uh, so, uh, first time I was there was, uh, December 31st of 1998. Whoa. Uh, played, yeah. Play. Yeah. Played, played the warp tour in Auckland, <gasps> uh, back then. Oh my gosh. I didn't even so. know we had the warp tour and in- Oh, yes, I'm yes, so, and so uh, <laughs> <laughs> you were probably very young then. But uh, yeah. any anyhow, it was uh, just always loved coming there. The last time we were there was in uh, 2014. We came there with Pennywise and Alkaline Trio and, oh, cool. and uh, played a show. So a uh, very very beautiful place. So the band uh, for five years, uh, you know, you you were touring around obviously New Zealand, and I'm assuming you got to Australia. And I know that you did a uh, European tour with Death Cab for Cutie. Have you toured the states at all? Yes. So we've we we first came over. Um, uh, I'm trying to think what the what the season is. I guess it was spring because <laughs> it would have been um, <laughs> autumn for us here. I think, or maybe just going into winter of um of 2018. So it was before our first album came out. And it was kind okay. of, it started off as, um, like at the end of 2017, I was, me and Jonathan were talking and then the record was like kind of finished, Future Me Hates Me. And we were like, well, let's just do it. Let's just like book a, like a DIY kind of like international tour and we'll apply for some funding and maybe we'll get it and we'll just do it and then we'll come back and, you know, we'll move out of our flats and then come back and start again, you know? Um, and it just, we didn't have to start again, which was good. It, like things kind of went pretty well. We ended up, um... Uh, signing with Car Park and we ended up just continuing to tour for most of that year. So we we went to the States, I think a couple of times and, and to Europe a couple of times and over to Australia and uh, just kind of all over and kind of toured nonstop for almost for like around 18 months or so, which was awesome. <laughs> 
Well, good, good for you, and it's it's testament to the the buzz that you've been building up. Just uh, it seems like every day more and more people are, are knowing about the band. Uh, the song we're going to talk about today is "Future Me Hates Me," which is uh, from the album of the same title, your first uh, full length record, which was released on August tenth, uh, two thousand eighteen. Uh, did Jonathan Pierce, your guitar player, did he produce this record? I know he produced your latest record. Yeah, he did. He did. He did. He's amazing. It sounds so good. You know, I thought for sure I kept scouring. I was I was looking and looking. I, it wasn't on your Wikipedia page. I was like, who produced this record? And finally I saw it. I, just from the sounds of it, I thought you worked with a, a big name producer. And uh, I think there's big things ahead for Jonathan. The sounds are, are amazing on his track. Oh, he's going to be chuffed. No, he's 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 so great. Like he he um, it's something that he's really proud of. And, and he's, you know, like even on this new record, he's he's constantly learning about things and and just he's really excited about his microphones that he buys, <laughs> you know, it's um, it's he's really he's really passionate about it, and we're so so lucky to have to to have him as as part of the band. Like he's 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 a real special person. So that's great that you recognize that because he really is. The sounds are amazing. You know, I'm trying to put my finger on the band's sound, and it's just there's not one thing. You you guys just have your own thing, but there's I'm hearing parts of Weezer. I'm hearing parts of the Breeders. I'm hearing parts of Ver- do you remember Veruca Salt? I don't know if you remember them. Yeah, at all. I know a couple they, a couple uh, songs. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm hearing a little bit of the Cars. I'm hearing. 70s stuff I'm hearing 90s nuances but it has its own flavor and there's also a and I, I I'm careful of using this word but there's a maturity to your songwriting it seems like you you've you've been around for 20 or 30 years with the maturity <laughs> and, the, and I, I mean that it's just a really really well well written and immature stuff so I'd like to get into to the song now set it up for us do you remember remember when you wrote it I do I think it, was, it must have been in 2015 it's it's weird like I remember when I wrote like the scrolls that would become the song like um which is how i write a lot of lyrics which is just kind of like free writing mm-hmm. just 90 percent of it's garbage you know <laughs> but it, from there then i'll like later go back when i'm like playing guitar or something and like kind of pull phrases or like ideas that i like and then kind of like mold them change the words around make them rhyme better it's exciting stuff but yeah i remember like when i kind of scribbled a bunch and I think I from that same kind of batch of scribbling I wrote both Future Me Hates Me and Happy Unhappy which are two songs on on that first record and it was just I think just getting home after hanging out with someone that I really liked and it felt like something was going to happen but then nothing happened I just kind of like <laughs> extremely dramatically you know like closed the door and like put my back against it and just like slid down to the ground it was just like I was being very dramatic. Um, and I was trying to channel that, I think, a little bit. But then, you know, I feel extremely self-conscious about that. <laughs> and so uh, the, I was kind of like, you know, the only way it could turn into a song is if it was kind of like making fun of myself for being that dramatic. I, I like it. And I can kind of tell that you, uh, from from your videos, that you you, guys, you can take a joke and kind of make, make fun of yourselves. Your videos are, are a lot of fun. And I can totally relate to that. My, my band is uh, cut from the same cloth. We can we can laugh at ourselves. And I think, I think that that's, that's very important. This song, did you know that there was something special there when you first wrote it? Or was it just kind of another idea that you were formulating? Or, or was it like, I, there's really something here? Yeah, I remember making like the first demo of it, which I kind of demo just guitar and like, vocals on on reaper i think i knew it was good because like i I was writing a lot of songs and some of them you kind of i'd kind of finish them and be like cool it's finished not showing that one to anyone (laughs) it's no point (laughs) um but with that one i was like cool this is good enough that i'll you know i'll send it to the band and like send it to some friends to be like what do you think and um at that point i think i'd been writing for the band for uh, uh, maybe two or three years and I kind of had reached the point where I kind of knew, I knew what I liked, and and it, and, um, it took a long, a lot of songs to kind of get to that point. But I was getting good at getting to that point, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. So when you demo stuff and send it off, and of course with Jonathan being a producer, uh, this song in particular, how much do you remember from the the initial idea or the demo that you you created when you sent it to to the guys? Uh, how much it, it it changed or evolved? A lot. Like my my demos are, are pretty basic. A lot of the times they'll just be. Maybe this is coming from like a, the, the the jazz background, where to me a lot of a song, when I'm writing it, it feels like it's like it's the verse and the melody and the chords, which is like that's what you would have on a lead sheet, right? If you're reading like if you're playing Autumn Leaves or something, um, and you'd be like, that's the song, and then you can kind of like 
arranged the song. Um, and with, the, with with some songs, it's different. So for this one, I did have the like the guitar riff was there, the main one, and like the voicings of the chords were there. But things were added in later. Like Jonathan added in the lead line that's in the introduction, and then like the drum feel and the bass part. Like I don't really write um, those those things. We kind of just um, arrange those together as a group, and then just little production things like that that you that you do when you're adding working in the studio and you're like this section needs something so. That all came together. Yeah, and I guess I, I guess I was kind of speaking production uh, stuff aside. Just I didn't know if when you write something like this is the song, these are my ideas, and this is what you present, or if it's like you said, more of a basic thing that goes through uh, a metamorphosis that becomes what it becomes w- with all the production stuff and everything that you add on top of it. That's how I write. I, mm. I'm amazed at people that just have this vision and do everything in their head and they they spit it out. So mm. I can totally relate to how you write. It's like okay, here's the riff. Here's the melody. Here's the basic chords, and then then you present it, and you you kind of all work on it together. Yeah, totally. I mean, the the lyrics are, is probably the one thing that I'm um, maybe a tyrant about. Like, a, not tyrant, but like I I, I find it very hard to um <laughs> to collaborate on on lyrics. They just feel so personal. I'll take I'll take some feedback with. With um, <laughs> so that that's a struggle it, for you, and and, yeah. and, and no that. <laughs> And no, and that's that's totally un- that's understandable. When you're singing something, you have to feel it. And uh, lyrics, when you write them and you write all of them, they're they're coming from a personal place. So I I totally get that. Uh, I'd like to to jump into the song now. The song is four minutes and seven seconds. It's got this amazing, great guitar hook when it starts off, and it just it just screams. It just feels '90s to me, but '90s happy, not '90s grunge and 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 depressing music. It's just got this happy feel to it and that guitar hook is just so catchy is that the one that you were referring to that you wrote initially yeah yeah so that was like what i initially came up with and kind of wrote the verse over if that makes sense and then kind of stripped it back yeah so there's a uh, 14 second intro of this part that's just so catchy and then we get into the first verse and the first part of the first verse it just kind of breaks down to what I'm calling this kind of fuzz guitar and and, and, the, and the bass and drums are just grooving and the lyric is um, I never wanted to I didn't want to fall and and Liz you're gonna have to help me with the, se- the second words the only one I don't think I know here is it I won't or I don't believe uh hang on I'm trying to remember the lyrics to my own stupid <laughs> song <laughs> I don't believe that love's a good it's, idea. I don't. I swear. I swear. You say won't, which is kind of a cool lyric too. Okay, so I never wanted to. I didn't want to fall. I don't believe that love's a good idea at all. And then the back half of the verse, which I almost was going to call this a pre-chorus, until it happens again with different lyrics in the song, because it because the the melody changes here. Oh, this well-designed world. Every one that I know is broken. And has fell for it before, uh, so set up set up this first verse for us uh, lyrically. Yeah, sure. It's um, it's actually it's well designed. Whoa, everyone that I know is broken and has fell for it before. Which I know has fell for it is not grammatically correct, but it just um, it just sounded right. Got you. Whoa. Okay. It was written as world here, but it's funny because later in the song at the refrain, I did have it written as whoa. So, okay. Again, I have to, I have to say one of my favorite artists, and I don't know if you're familiar is, is uh, American band, the pretenders, Chrissy Hine. Mm. And then this part that the melody line here is just haunting and beautiful. Oh, this well-designed whoa, everyone that I know is broken and has fell for it before. It's just awesome. And then you come into a, what I call here, a half re-intro. Was that something that you remember writing from the beginning? Like, okay, we're going we're gonna to do a verse and we're going to go to this half re-intro back into another verse. Or was it longer or was that written from the beginning or something that evolved? Um, yeah, I think I, I, the double verse thing is something that I do a lot. And I think it's from listening to a lot of like Death Cab um, for Cutie growing uh-huh. up. Just like this... And, and I know it's like it's it's a thing now, like in in songs where you want to get to the chorus kind of within the first minute, and I just don't a lot of the time. I just can't justify it. I, it just feels like it hasn't I haven't earned it yet. So I'm getting 
getting better at it now but like um like for this song the, the chorus doesn't come in for ages there's there's like an intro and then there's a verse and then there's like an interlude and then like another verse and then quite a yes. long pre-chorus and then the chorus comes and it's like a minute and a half into the song i don't know i i really like that kind of i don't know it feels like you're telling a story during the verse and and sometimes it just feels like i'm not ready <laughs> to to go to that different place yet like you're still kind of exploring and like doing exposition i guess in, in those first couple of verses. What is so cool about this song, the first time I heard the track, this part particular, the back half of the verse, the, the oh, this well-designed woe part, the first time I heard it and it came by, I wanted to hear it again. It's so catchy, but it's foreshadowing to come at the last chorus when it does come back again and it, and it doubles at the, at the very end yeah. of the song. It kind of bite, bites off that melody line, which is just this song keeps evolving and growing and the parts never get boring in this song. You know, you say the chorus doesn't come for a long time, but it works in, in, in this context of this song. It just it just works brilliantly because the parts just keep flipping. It never gets boring. And then uh, this I'm calling it a half reintro. Uh, then it comes back into to verse number two and the lyric is uh, and sometimes I think I'm doing fine I think I'm pretty smart and on the I think I'm pretty smart line here's something that only happens on this line of the song there's this arpeggio guitar part this picking part It happens again during the the what I'm calling the pre-choruses, but it just happened on that line, and I didn't pick up on it till probably the third or fourth listen. And it's just one of those production kind of ear candy things that stuck out to me. Was that something that that, that you could attribute to Jonathan? Oh yeah, that's a, that's a Jonathan line, and that's like a, a thing where when you're just arranging the song, I'm I'm not. I think I think he was playing that because we played the song live maybe for like a year or so before we recorded it, um, mm-hmm. and I think it's something that he just would have you know it makes sense if you're repeating the same the exact same kind of the lyrics are different but it's the same kind of form he was just like something needs to go here and so he put something there and it's a nice and yeah he's real good at writing those little just like sparkly ear candy bits no and it's great because it's not there on the first verse and i love that how how you know that that can really build a song and it does so in 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 this sense uh the next lyric is i'm quite convinced that i can keep myself up high and then we get into the what I'm I'm calling the back half of the verse, and that I'm calling it a haunting melody. This melody is just I can't get it out of my head. Oh, then the walls become thin, and somebody gets in. Everything's less, but it won't happen again. And then there's an extra line this time where you say it probably won't happen again. <laughs> and those last two lines, the intro riff comes underneath those. And I'm thinking at that point, the first time I heard it, okay, now we're going to launch into a chorus, but it dips back down <laughs> in, into the pre-chorus for the next part. Yeah, there's a lot of bits. Oh man, I think that lyric is actually, I'm defenseless, not everything's less. I'm defenseless. Yeah. Okay, well see, I need to stop listening to uh, the internet and Google when I search my lyrics. That's how I do this. And I, I do listen to the song and I, I apologize for getting oh, no, that, don't, uh, don't that apologize. lyric it's, 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 it's kind of nice that someone's kind of gone through it and just like interpreted their own version i I kind of like that idea as well (laughs) Um, (laughs) at least it's not your own bandmate telling you that your lyrics wrong then you'd have a problem with it (laughs) yeah yeah beat him up i'm just kidding we wouldn't do that um but yeah the yeah our songs have a tendency not all of them but quite a lot of them to be kind of like bits bitsy i guess like 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 you say like there's like in that verse there's like the first part of the verse and then there's the second part of the verse and then there's like there's a bit where there's the intro riff again so like there's like lots of there they can be quite a lot of different sections which we really like i guess <laughs> quite often um sometimes we try to keep things more, more simple but like it almost feels like you're yeah like assembling a, a puzzle and then it's quite satisfying to kind of like be remembering all these parts and then like we're all like jonathan and i are like stepping on different pedals for every section while singing backing vocals at the same time and stuff it feels almost like um learning a dance or something when you're physically playing it it's nice to kind of like feel like a song is a puzzle that you're kind of putting together no, and there's a lot of pieces to, to this puzzle but it all in, in my opinion works works perfectly together and again the the pre-chorus uh this part that arpeggiated guitar that i was speaking of that the picking uh comes back in and it's just such a cool part but 
everything kind of comes down here. And the lyric is, but there's something about you. There's something about you. There's something about you. I want to risk going through. You're opening up and being vulnerable. You want to risk the unknown, so to speak. Is is that what you were going after with with that lyric of of the from a relationship standpoint? Yeah, yeah. It's like a lot of the stuff. I think, particularly on that record, it was kind of like balancing sincerity with like plausible deniability or something. Um, just being like, <laughs> I have these feelings, but I mean, you know, as a joke. Um, <laughs> and and so like I feel like that section is kind of like a transitional section to this kind of like. It's a very opti- almost like an optimistic kind of uh, chorus that's, wh- whereas the verse is very like sarcastic or something like I would never. It's stupid, <laughs> and then the chorus, this kind of big optimistic chorus, and the the pre-chorus is just introducing this idea that actually, uh, you know, may- maybe it's not so bad. Real quick, was the title uh, "Future Me Hates Me" was did you have that from the beginning when you were penning the song, or did, was that something that came uh, came later? That lyric. It's hard to remember. Like, th- there's lots of like I think media all the time around the kind of idea of like this is something that future me will deal with or like I, I definitely did <laughs> wasn't like inventing that concept. But I think I had a lot of the lines and and they had a they had a rhyme scheme that kind of like future heartbreaks, future headaches. Um, I think I had kind of those words and then future. It was kind of like ooh a ooh a and then I had future me hates me and I was like oh there it is like that's the kind of internal rhyme. And it also sums up the song quite well. I don't. I don't think it was the first thing that came in the song, but I think it just once it once I had that line, I was like that felt like the heart of it. I, I love the lyric. It's uh, and I'm hope I hope I have all of these right. <laughs> uh, future heartbreak, and, and and here we are. We're at the first chorus, and, and you're right, Liz. It's about a, a minute and twenty uh, in, into the into the track. Future heartbreak, future headaches, wide-eyed nights, late lying awake. With future cold shakes from stupid mistakes, future me hates me for, hates me for. And before we get into to all those lyrics, there's a really cool, it's almost like a slide guitar part. It almost sounds like a pedal steel. <laughs> if you know what I'm talking about in that chorus, was, was that, I'm assuming that's Jonathan. What, what Was that a slide he was using? There's like a high, um, it's like, new, 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 but it's, uh, yeah. I, it's not a slide, It's just, but it's just like a... Um, really bright uh it's i think it's jonathan's liz paul um i actually play that part live but i think we 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 recorded it on a few different guitars but that was like one of the last things we added to that song like the song was kind of done and we were just like the chorus just it feels like it's missing like a sparkle or something like Uh um and we added that and we we're like, oh, this is cheesy, but we couldn't stop smiling. So we were just like, oh, OK, well, it, has to, it has to go in. Sometimes you got to pour the cheese on Liz. And this part is so good. <laughs> I'm glad I'm glad you left it because it really me too. and it just takes me back. It takes me back to and I want to ask real quick, did you have any 70s influences or did your parents listen to music from the 70s or anything? Because when that part, that guitar part comes in, it just takes me back to. I don't know, something like a, a Fleetwood Mac or I, I mentioned the Pretenders. It just takes me back to that era and it just it, it's just it it makes me feel good. I guess that's the only word to to describe it. I love that part. Yeah. Yeah, it's like I don't know, we we've all listened to so much stuff. Like I I grew up listening to my mom had like this radio station called Easy Listening Eye in the car, which I you know, I didn't know any of the artists, but like n- now a song will come on and, and I know I know it intimately. <laughs> uh, I'll be like, yeah. I know the song like the back of my hand, and it was all. And that, looking back, it's all. It was all like yacht rock and like kind of like Billy Joel and uh, Michael McDonald and um, and also like '80s stuff like Spandau Ballet or something like that. It was all just kind of like <laughs> easy listening songs from the '70s and '80s. Um, I know you've mentioned Death Cab, and and I, I don't really hear them too much. I'm and I can't. What what I think is fascinating about your band is I can't pinpoint one thing. It just keeps through, especially through this track. I just keep hearing different things that remind me of stuff, and it's just it's really cool. So that's why I wanted to to ask you about about some of those influences. Um, after the first chorus, 
we come back into a, a full band reintro. And and before we, we talk about that, just these lyrics here, the future heartbreak, future headaches, that chorus. Do you remember if you had that initially or or that was something that you, you kind of had to work on as as being the hook and the chorus of the song? Yeah, that was that was that was written. That was like that stuff was um, part of the kind of like mishmash of 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 like words on on those kind of few pages. Was this kind of like future things that were gonna go wrong? You know, some of them conveniently rhymed, so it was just kind of like like all these different things that also rhyme. Rhyming is very important to me. <laughs> I hope you're all enjoying this Throwback Thursday episode with Liz Stokes. We'll be right back with part two after a few words from our sponsors. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. I'm as likely to go out. You can slide from the bottom of your lungs until the house gets blowing down. And now, back to our Throwback Thursday episode with Liz Stokes. I know that you say you take some some possession of your lyrics, but so when you're in the studio and these were just kind of like scat words you had in, in a notebook or whatever, but does Jonathan or, or anybody else ever say, hey, what about switching that line? Or, or could, could there be a stronger line there? Do they say stuff like that? Or is it kind of you come up with the with the lyrics in full? Generally, I come with lyrics. Like, yeah, if, if, if someone was like, I don't think this line is very strong, I'd, I'd, I'd look at it and I'd go, I'd probably come up with something else but it's um usually when the demo is done the lyrics are done if that makes sense um but like you know i'll continue tweaking them sometimes but because to yeah. me that's a big part of the song being kind of done apart from like middle eights i'm ter- to me oh, quite often a song is done when there's like the verses and the choruses are done and then i'm like we'll put something in the middle we'll do a solo <laughs> <laughs> i hate i hate writing bridges you do <laughs> That's yeah. funny. I most of the f- people I've had on the show enjoy writing bridges. You're one of the. I don't think I've had anybody say they don't like writing bridges. That that's interesting. Tell tell me a little bit about that. I guess to me, like this, it's so functional. It's like uh, this is to me. It's like well, because because I write songs in a very in a very I feel like old fashioned way or something where there's like there's a verse and then a chorus and then a second verse and then a chorus and then there needs to be something else so you can have another chorus <laughs> <laughs> or something like that. Um, I really like songs in that kind of like classic like structure and that's not how all the songs I write come out but like um quite often it is how they come out and I'm just like I'll finish most of the song and just like <laughs> I just can't I'm ex- by that point I'm kind of excited about the song and I want to kind of share it but I'm like oh there needs to be something else here <laughs> and so like sometimes it's really fun to come up with something and that's why in this song and also in like happy and happy the other thing is I write a lot of words and so quite often by that point I'm like oh there's too many words in the song already. Like I write really lyric heavy songs. And so I'm like, do I want to write like an entire bunch more words? And I'm like, no. So it probably needs to be like a, either an instrumental section or like just a backing vocal arrangement. So in this song, for instance, it's a backing vocal arrangement. So you took the words out of my mouth, which we'll get to the bridge in this song, which doesn't have uh, vocals, which, uh, well, has has some vocals, but doesn't have lyrics per se, which I think uh, I think is important. I think it, it lets it breathe there, which is really good. Uh, there's a full band reintro after chorus one, which this is now the third time you've heard the hook. You heard it at the top of the song. You heard the, the half reintro after verse one. Now you're hearing it again. And then we go into verse three. You don't go into a bridge or anything. You're, you're back into another verse. And the lyric is, it's getting dangerous. I could get hurt, I know. I counted up the cons, they far outweigh the pros. Oh, and if word gets you down, it's the mob or a sound, I am drowning. It's too late for me now, I need you <laughs> sticking around. And you're smiling, so I'm assuming I messed up a lyric. Oh, you didn't mess it up. So the third <laughs> line is, um, oh, and the floodgates are down, it's the mob or a sounds. So 
Um, the floodgates are down. It's obvious. Oh, it's ah, it's the Mar. Okay, well, it's funny because I got that lyric at the end of the song where it comes back. It's the Marlboro. Is Marlboro a place in New Zealand? Marlboro. Yeah, yeah. It's um, it's like a place at the top of the South Island. It's basically a, uh, the sounds. It's like it's fi- it's like fjords. Gotcha. It's okay. just like a local, wet landmark. <laughs> That rhymed. <laughs> Liz, I've never messed up lyrics like I've messed up your song. I'm, I'm going to own it right now. This is, uh, you've, you've got me good. And I, I'm I'm going to blame it on the lovely Kiwi accent, okay? I'm not going to take full blame. <laughs> oh, please, please stop. Please stop apologizing. It's, it's fine. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying, I'm trying to, trying to remember them. <laughs> no, I know. And it's weird. I've had people tell me it's weird to have me speak their lyrics back to them. Like, wait, is that what I said there? Um, I know. It's, it's, it's difficult. The... <laughs> I love the second half of this where you say, I am drowning. On this, the melody changes on that one word, on the word drowning from the other times you sing this part. Do you remember that? Do you remember you changing that or Jonathan or someone in the studio suggesting there's a, that there be a change there? No, I think phrasing is something that's quite important to me. I think that the, the way that words feel when they're coming out of your mouth and the way that they sound, I feel like is really important. It's something that when I'm writing, the way that the words sound is like part of, of what I'm writing, mm-hmm. um, if that makes sense. So like the, the particular phrasing is quite important. So like, yeah, it, like more important than like having the exact same melody is making that particular line sound compelling and sound to me also like kind of sound natural or unnatural in a memorable way. <laughs> Yeah, it that it that just yeah. that one that one word and what you did there it stuck out to me. I thought I thought I think that's a really really cool part of the song. I love it. Thanks. I'm getting to pre-chorus number two, which is the same lyric as pre-chorus one, because there's something about you, there's something about you, there's something about you. I want to risk going through on this pre-chorus though. There's either some organ pads pushed way back in the mix, or like a low register violin or strings. Is that there? Is that what I'm hearing? Um, you're hearing it and it is a just like a low fuzzy guitar Wow, it almost it sounded like strings or like a low low violin like pu- pushed back with some reverb on it but that's that's a guitar it's really really interesting and it really it adds to that part, and of course, I had to go back and listen to pre-chorus one. Nope, it's not there. That is just another one of those little cool pr- production uh, qualities that I think is really, really neat. The Thanks. second chorus is the first time that it's a double chorus, and this is where the song really, as if it wasn't already interesting and took you on on this little ride, it it gets pretty pretty intense now just in terms of production and the different parts that come in the first half of the chorus is the same future heartbreak future headaches wide-eyed nights late lying awake with future cold shakes from stupid mistakes future me hates me for hates me and then it does a turnaround uh future heartbreak future headaches and then there's the woo-woo-woos the backing vocals And just add such a, a, a great part to that. Uh, whose idea was that? Do you remember who came up with that part? I think that was a studio edition. I think so in the year that we were playing this live, I think that particular line wasn't there. Um, but I think when we recorded it, we were like, yeah, there needs to be something in the second half of that second chorus. And it's the only time in the song that happens because the two choruses at the end, three choruses at the end are slightly different. So it was kind of like, is it worth making a backing vocal line just for this one part? And we decided it was. Um, and backing vocals are like, they're, they're they're very present in our music throughout all of it. So it, it's not, it wasn't like, it was strange to put them in there. It was like, it was almost like we have this other thing, like we have this third guitarist and the third guitarist needs a part to play in the song. But the, for us, the third guitarist is our kind of backing vocal arrangement. It's like, we have two guitars, we have bass and drums, and then we have backing vocals. And it, when you're quite limited, I guess, in... The different instruments that you can play particularly live having this extra texture that you can throw in um to have an extra melodic part or to mm-hmm. 
kind of change the texture of a particular section is is really important to us. So line, maybe Jonathan came up with it. You use the word I was going to use is texture because near the end here, you can really start hearing the male voices. Predominantly sounds mm. like you doing a lot of the backups and, and hearing hearing your uh, higher register, and then you can hear the male uh, voices coming at the end, which is just so cool with how it's playing off of you. And it goes into what I'm calling the bridge. It's a 12 second bridge, uh, instrumental, but there are four woo-oo's here. <laughs> but there's a counter melody with some ba 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 bas <laughs> happening there, uh, which really work mm. cool cool together do you do you remember how that was that another studio uh, thing that came about so that w- that one we would have had to we were doing that when we were playing it live when we were learning the song like a year a year before we recorded it and um that was like i think we for a long time we just played the um because it's the pre-chorus chords yes the, um, yes four and the five is it oh, i can't remember um yeah i think it's like the is it uh C minor to D minor. I played it earlier. Uh, something like that. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, yeah. But, um, <laughs> yeah. So it's like that. Just like just repeating the pre-chorus chords, which is something I've done before in bridges as like almost as a placeholder. And then I was like, you know, we, everyone was like, we need to put something here. So I went away and I just like wrote a um a four-part thing where like Ben and I do the woos, and then uh, Jonathan and Tristan do the kind of counter melody line that kind of ends up together at the end. It's a very ba 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 y, which like. After I wrote it, was like, oh, damn it, that's like a postal service thing. Oh, well. Uh, no, um, that part's great. And that's really where you hear the, to me, you hear, you hear the male voices going back and forth. I'm calling it a counter mm-hmm. melody. And that part's just so cool. And and I think it's needed. There's a lot of lyrical content up to this point. It's only 12 seconds, but it's perfect to set up the third chorus. And when the third chorus comes in, uh, the band breaks down for the first time. It's just, you know, the future heartbreak future headaches there's a couple of cymbal hits and then the kick drum comes in for the second line wide-eyed nights late lying awake uh and then there's like a light snare build up on the third line back half of the third chorus or, or what I'm considering an outro and here's where I, I think I might have gotten the lyrics finally right uh, I did write <laughs> I did <laughs> I did write Marlboro here where I had that wrong before this part's really cool because now it's a complete counter melody and it took me so many times listening to this Liz to figure out what part I want to listen to and now I can kind of equally listen to them both there's a lot going on here but it works uh, together in such a congruent fashion so tell us what the thought was here of having it and I'll, I'm going to read the lyrics real quick and I'll, I'll have you set it up uh, again you're saying future heartbreak future headaches you're, you're repeating the chorus but behind it I'm hearing uh, and I don't know if you're doing it. It sounds more like it, it might be Ben or Jonathan singing this part. And uh, correct me if I'm wrong with the lyrics, but the floodgates are down. Mm-hmm. It's the Marlboro sounds. Uh, Marlboro wa- sounds, yep. Walls become thin and somebody gets in. It's a well-designed woe. Everyone that I know is broken. Yeah. And it's biting off the back half of the verses melody that... I wanted to hear repeated, but only happens, <laughs> I'm saying once in, in each time. And now you're getting it because this part happens twice behind the chorus. idea was it for ha- to have that melody come back i think it was mine yeah i think it just i think that was in the original demo that i made myself on the computer at home and sent it out that was really fun just kind of discovering that that line i was like something needs to happen here in these last couple choruses and just figuring out that last line fits and then kind of like so taking the third the third 
verse one and then going back to the second verse one and then the back to the third uh the first verse one and being like oh it kind of tells a story when you like it's like you're you're, you're telling a story which in reverse of the song but it, it still makes sense and you get to finish on that line everyone that i know is broken which is like a weirdly depressing line um to finish on but i kind of like that and it actually only happened once but then when we played it together live um learning the song we decided it needed one more round um and i, I stopped singing the main chorus melody last time through and um the boys just keep singing that part and then that's when the song finishes on that depressing note <laughs> i love it and you know i have a term for it i've heard in you know in the studio over the years that you know at the end of a song a lot of times you'll you'll we call it throwing in the kitchen sink or it's a train wreck you know and and this yeah. <laughs> this this is if i've ever seen one or heard one a classic train and sometimes a train wreck or a kitchen sink does not work and this just it is so cool. And like I said, it took me so many listens to figure. At first, I was like, well, the chorus is still going over here, but yet there's this new melody. But wait, that's not new. That's the that's the back half of the verses. It's just, it's a really, really well thought out and well written part. It's it's really, really great. Um, I love Thanks. that the lyric ends on everyone that I know is broken. And it ends on what I like to call the suspense chord. It ends on the E. It never resolves back to the B. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm pretty smart. <laughs> I love that. Um, did, did you ever ever resolve back to the B or ever ever tie it up or you, you wanted to, to be left, uh, the, I call it the suspense cord? No, nah, no, nah, it, felt, it felt good. It felt good leaving it there. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm a big fan of it. I think I end a lot of songs on the, on the four like that, mm-hmm. maybe too many. It was good. I like to do I like to do that too. So the song's uh, written. You're in the studio. Jonathan's producing. The song's done, and and you hear it back. Did it exceed your expectations from those first demos and those first scrawls on paper? Or when it was finally recorded, was it were you like, "There's really something here"? Were you happy with it? It took a little. It took quite a lot of finessing. This one, like, because it's so bitsy and because there's so many different like guitar sounds in it and stuff. It it took quite a little bit of like quite a lot of tweaking to get it really working but once we had it working i think we it it just it was like it it suddenly was it felt great and we, we got the song working at a similar time to like maybe happy unhappy and i think you wouldn't like me and and maybe one more song and those were the first kind of four songs that we started kind of sending out to people before the album was was done mixing yeah and it was strange because like like i said like we were playing before before the record came out in 2018 we all of those songs we were playing live except for maybe river run yeah it, it, it was nice to kind of like feel it very comfortable with those songs but and then finally hear them in a like polished sparkling form which in you know the most recent record that we made we hadn't played most of the, most of those songs live mm-hmm. and so the first version that you kind of get used to is the one on the recording so it was a nice feeling do you recall if there was a difference prior to it being recorded when you would play it and your audience heard it, and now it's recorded, and they've they've been able to digest it and hear it, uh, you know, recorded. Do you remember the first time you played it after it was released, and what the response was? Wow, first time after it was released would have been, oh, I guess it didn't get released until we were, had already started um, touring. When we first toured overseas, we only had our EP out. But like the thing is, like we played in Auckland and like maybe around the rest of New Zealand. We played we played those songs in Auckland, you know, like hundreds of times probably. Yeah. So like um, we would play them to songs of our friends who who already knew, you know, like all, all the words just from coming to the gigs. So um. So they already but, loved them. <laughs> yeah. So I, I'm not sure. Yeah. It, it felt it felt crazy just like being overseas and then kind of like playing songs to people who'd never heard of us before and then suddenly the album kind of came out and suddenly people did know the lyrics. I mean, that's pretty wild and really, really special. Something we we really miss. So, yeah, well, you, you, you deserve it. Your, your band is a, is a wealth of talent. The songs are great. And, uh, I, I really appreciate you you coming on today and, and taking the time out to talk to us. And uh, I'd like you to leave the listeners with anything uh, coming up with the best that you'd, you'd like to promote. Um, oh, just lots of international touring. I am kidding. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. We, we released our, our, our new record in, in July this year. It's called Jumper Up Gazers. And oh, this year. Sorry. It was in 2020. Sorry. The eternal year. Um and it's you know it's still 
uh, it's still out. We decided to um, leave it out. Um, yeah, I mean, have a listen to that if you want. We, I don't know, we're working on new stuff. So just I'm just writing a lot. <laughs> well, sounds good. We'll, we'll keep writing, keep doing your thing. And uh, congratulations on all your success and your continued success. I, I wish you nothing but the absolute best. So thank you very much. Thanks so much, Chris. It's been real nice uh, getting real deep into Future Me Hates Me, the song. That does it for Throwback Thursday this week. Don't forget to check out the new Beth's album, Expert in a Dying Field. And also, if you're new to Krista Makes a Podcast, don't forget to scroll back through our past episodes and check them out. We're getting guest requests from new listeners all the time where we respond and we're like, yo, they were already on the show. Otherwise, have a great day and we'll be back on Monday with a new episode. Lucky Land Casino, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This is the story of Whitney Houston. This is the story of Kurt Cobain. Of George Michael, of Otis Redding, of Amy Winehouse, of Michael Hutchins, Bob Marley. This is the story of Prince. It's a new podcast series. About how they died, why they died, and why we're still talking about them so long after. It's like nothing you've ever heard before. It's storytelling. But it's more than that, because rock stars... They tell us how we feel. They change our mood. They change the clothes we wear, the people we hang out with. The way we remember things. It's them who give us those ludicrous moments, the ones where you're... Jumping around, singing your heart out, feeling understood. And it's those moments we'll help you remember, the ones you're thinking about right now. That feeling. That feeling. It's coming soon from Crowd Network. Just search for Death of a Rockstar on your podcast app. And subscribe now.